Well, good morning, Influence Church. Merry Christmas. Good to see you today. Tammy, you look good in red. Amen. I think I'm going to take you home. But uh, someone asked me, well, what's with the suit? I said, well, you're seeing me of this. It's going to be Christmas or I'm doing your wedding. All right. I've really adapted to California well, and, uh, and we have these things. Just so you know, I do have these. And uh, they do get pulled out once in a while. But uh, we just want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. And, you know, God is, uh, is doing so many amazing things. I just want to do a shout-out uh, to Alex Ortiz, who led today. How about, could you put your hands together for Alex? Uh, we, uh, we have just offered him the position of our, our new children's worship pastor, and so we are excited about that. And uh, it was great to have him up here on the stage leading today uh, the adults and we are uh, just thrilled what God is doing in children's, in students, in young adults, in, in adults and children of all ages. I mean, it is exciting, exciting moment. We had a great service last night, and God blessed in a great way. So we're just glad to see you today. And the great thing about a 10 o'clock service is it doesn't, go, it, it doesn't end until noon. Some of you looked really worried right there. Are you worried about it? You know, um, I've entitled the sermon today, Goodbye God. It's an unusual title, especially for Christmas when you're welcoming God on his birth. Really, the title was inspired by a story told by a friend of mine, uh, Jim Rogan, who's a Superior Court judge, former congressman, who wrote a book called Rough Edges. And when I read the book, the one story that stood out above all others was a story that captured my heart and I want to share it with you today. Jim was a, a judge at the time, years ago. Young man came before him, multiple drug use, probation violation, and Jim decided he was just going to throw the book at him. He was going to lock him up, put him away forever because he had violated his parole so many times, had been so accustomed to using drugs that it had become a part of his life on a daily basis. And an older judge grabbed him and pulled him to the side. He said, I don't know, Jim, I have a funny feeling about this guy. I really believe if you give him a chance, he's going to do okay. And Jim said, I, I don't think so, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give him a chance, but I'm going to make it so difficult for him to succeed that I know he'll fail. He's going to have to get a drug test every day. He's got, at the police station. He's going to have to go to an AA group every single day of the week for a year. Well, now you know if you're a drug user and a probation violator, you know that the chances are you're going to blow that probation and you're going to go back to jail. And he understood it, and he went off, and he would get reports in. Sure enough, the drug test was happening daily, and the report was coming back that he was going to AA, and he thought, surely he's having someone set in for him. So Jim said he put on a hat and some jeans and a T-shirt, and, and he went to his group, kind of incognito. And sure enough, he was there. Well, the year went by, and the report was good, and he was due to come into uh, court that day at 9 o'clock. And Jim said, I looked out, I was so excited because I knew this man now had a second chance. He was really going to make it. But he looked out into the courtroom and he didn't see him. He thought, well, maybe he missed the, uh, the bus, maybe he got delayed. I'm just going to put his name to the end of the day and give him a chance. 
And so he went through the entire day, and he came to the end. He called the man's name, and he said he is now in violation of and declared him to be uh, now subject to arrest. And in the back, a man raised his hand. He says, Judge, I'm here. I've been here since 9 o'clock this morning. And Jim looked out at him, and there he saw a man in a white shirt, a necktie, sitting with his family. He said, approach the bench, and he came up there. And as he came up, he began to ask him what happened. He said, well, I was here all along, and Jim just didn't recognize him. Because he had so transformed his life in the course of those 12 months. And he said, well, tell me your story. He said, well, I'm now an assistant manager at Walgreens. I've got a job. I go to work every day. My, my family's back there. He said, have your family come up here. And here came uh, the wife and a, a little girl that looked to be about four or five years old. And there was Judge uh, Rogan. He came down off, the, off his bench. He stood in front of him, and he said, I want you to know that I am so proud of you, and you are a true hero. And he looked at that little girl, and he said, your daddy is a hero. And, of course, you can only imagine the emotion in that courtroom, the emotion of that wife. And she said, Judge, can I say something? And, and Jim said, the first thought I had was, oh, no, she's going to tell me something bad. She said, I want you to know that you saved my husband. You saved our family. I want you to know he comes home every night. He has prayers with us every night. He reads a story to our little girl every night. And Jim said, I was about ready to cry. If it wasn't for me being a judge, I probably would have just lost it completely. And the little girl was uh, being held by her mother. And as they walked off, the little girl looked at Jim and said, goodbye, God. And that judge that had encouraged Jim to give that man a break, said, do you know why she said goodbye, God? He said, I don't know, maybe the black robe, he just kind of associated me with God. No, it's because every night that little girl prayed that God would give her daddy back. And you were the closest thing to God she could realize. You know, there are people in our life that change us. People who know you, they know you well. And they look into your life and they love you and you appreciate them. And those are the people you know. And you could make a list. Maybe it's 10, 20, 100 people. Maybe it's a small circle of people, just a handful of people. You say, who know you? And then you could narrow that circle down a little bit more and say, there are some people who love you. They really do love you. You know, one of the things that happens this time of year, we, we really think about those things like, who do I know and who do I love? And maybe you send out a Christmas card and you send a gift or you bring a gift to someone and you say, I just want to tell you that I, I love you. Then there are people that help you. You know, if you look back over the year, who's helped you and who's been there for you when you really needed? You know, sometimes there's more people willing to help you than you've asked help from. You know, the, 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 the Bible really teaches us that when we ask, we receive, and that's true in friendship and that's true in relationship with Almighty God. But there are also people who rebalance you. Every year we've been 
uh, handing out door hangers at Christmas time and inviting people to come to our services. Some of you may have come because of that. Every year we have people who will come. And the thing that keeps me doing it, whether it's effective or not, is the people who are delivering it. You see, I met a pastor by the name of Javier. And Javier is pastors in an inner city church, and primarily his, his congregation are those who have gone through rehab, who've, who've messed up somewhere in life. And so as Javier was pastoring this church, he realized that he could get them off drugs, but still they needed a job. And so he thought, well, I'll create a business for them. And so he, he created a flyer distribution company. And I got to meet him, and I got to hear his heart a little bit. And by the way, every year, if we have extra toys, which we have every year, we, we give all the toys that uh, Boys and Girls Club needs, and then we have extra to give to the ki- children in that inner city church in L.A. I can't begin to tell you how thankful they are. He'll send me pictures of these little kids that have nothing, and we've been able to minister to them and just give them a toy in Jesus' name. Amen. So Javier and his team are here all the time, and I walked in this week because they were, they were needing some shirts. We were going to give them some influence shirts to all wear and look the same as they went out on the streets, about 10 of these guys. And I recognized all the guys but one, and I looked at one guy, and he was smiling from ear to ear. He had shorts on, khaki shorts, plaid shirt, looked like something I would wear, and he had one leg. And I don't know why, but my heart just broke in that moment. Here's a guy who's going to go out and deliver flyers, 10,000 of them, with one leg. You know when you have that moment where you just got to stop and reevaluate all you've complained about for a while? And I was doing that internally, and I went up to him, and, and I said to him, his name is Ricardo. I said, Ricardo, I said, how's your year been? With a smile that just went from ear to ear. He said, it's been the best year of my life. I said, Ricardo, why has it been such a good year? He said, because I found Jesus and he's changed my life. He said, I was a heroin addict. I was a heroin addict and I lost my leg from a dirty needle. But he said, it's okay now because I'm different. You see, there are some people in your life They rebalance you. And then there's only one, though, who saves you. You know, when Jesus came, he revealed the heart of the Father. When you meet Jesus, you really meet what the Father is all about. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, it says this in verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Isn't that you and I? Walking in darkness, not knowing which way to go, sometimes making bad decisions, regretting them sometimes the rest of our life. And yet Jesus said, those people who walk in darkness, I want you to know, those who walk in darkness, who dwelt in the, in the land of a shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You see, you can look at all the stuff that's gone wrong in your life, all the mistakes you've made in the past, all the dark alleys you went down in your mind or in your heart, But God says, I put a light on all of that, and I want you to know you don't have to walk in darkness any longer. You don't have to walk in the shadow of death any longer. You see, as you begin to know God, what happens is your understanding will increase as you experience truth on a deeper level. 
You see, at first you just know a little bit about God, and as you know a little bit about God, you take it a little bit deeper, and what happens is your understanding grows as you seek out and as you experience the truth and the love of God. And as you do that, your faith will start to, to ask questions. What do you believe, and how do you believe that, and what's God willing to do for me? And what I've learned is that faith places a demand on what you believe. You see, when I begin to believe God for great things, God does great things. When I say, well, you know, I can handle that, then God says, okay, go ahead and give it a try and see how well you do. Have you ever had that experience? And then you go, finally, you throw up your hands in desperation. You say, God, where are you? And he said, well, you said you had this one. I've had men that are so proud to say, you know, I, I take care of all the little things and I just give the big ones to God. Well, the Bible says, by, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. You see, so God wants you to bring everything to him. You say, well, won't he get weary? No, he who sits in the heavens doesn't rest or slumber, nor does he grow weary, the Bible says. You know, as you think about it, heaven is secure and so are you. I don't know if there's ever been a time where our world has felt more insecure. I'm sure there has been. I'm sure if I were living in 13th century Europe during the Great Plague, I would think this is the end of the world. I'm sure if I was living at the outbreak of World War II, I would say this is as bad as it gets. But never have I seen in all my years of ministry a time where so many people seem to be on the edge emotionally. So many people seem to be worried about what's happening. And it's almost like the, the, the constant media feeds that we have on a daily basis, they're second by second coming into our phone, giving us alert, and it just keeps us constantly, constantly upset, whereas maybe in the past we would learn about it on a news station late at night when we got home, in a newspaper if we picked one of those up, on our website, on a website if we logged in to the right media feed. But now it's instantaneous, and I really believe that we need to learn how to find security in God on a daily basis. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Now what an interesting follow-up to the previous verse. Those who walked in darkness, a great light has been seen, and all of a sudden it transitions to a baby. And you might be asking, if you don't you know, really know the story, well, what can a baby do? Our daughter just had a little baby. She's about going to be, well, two months old at the end of this month. And you know what? She's cute. She's probably the cutest baby I've ever seen. Right? But she can't do anything. She cries. She drinks milk, and then we suffer the consequences. But what can she do? But look what the Bible says. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and then immediately a transition to this is no normal average a run-of-the-mill day son, it says the government will be upon his shoulder. And immediately we're struck with the fact this is an unusual birth. And his name will be called Wonderful. His name will be called Counselor. He will be the mighty God. And instantly we have a revelation. This is not an average birth. This is the birth of God in the flesh on earth who will shoulder the government, who will be wonderful, who will seek to give us counsel in all situations. He is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. When you lack peace, he is your peace. 
He is your confidence. You know, C.S. Lewis, uh, one of my favorite writers, said this, once the author, that is God, steps on the stage, the play is over. You can direct the play, but the one who wrote the play, when he enters into the stage of your life, when he enters in and you understand who he is, you say, wait a minute. God knows more about my situation than I do. Let me give him everything I have. Let me give him my heart, my future, all the things. And you see, when we understand something about Christmas, we understand that we're all going to get a gift of some kind. Some of them are going to be really good, and some of them we're taken back. All right? Some of them we're going to re-gift. Amen? Let's just all be honest. We do that. You know, you know when the label's been uh, rubbed off four or five times, you know something's going on. But you know what your greatest gift is? The Son of God. Of all the gifts you'll ever get, the greatest gift, if you say, I have the Son of God, I have life, and I have it more abundantly. And what we do is we, we take this great gift that God gives us, and we learn to celebrate what God celebrates. What is it God celebrates? Have you ever noticed how easy it is to find something wrong with someone or something? I mean, we're pretty good at it, aren't we? You know, yeah, well, that guy, I don't know, yeah, that guy, you know, oh, that, and it's too hot, too cold. You know, it's, it's just never right. Rebalance your life and learn to celebrate what God celebrates. You know what God celebrates? He celebrates you. And you and you and you, every one of you, he celebrates you. You're created in his image. You, you might feel unworthy, but you know what? You're created in his image. You're an image bearer of the God of the universe. When he looks at you, he smiles. You say, yeah, but he doesn't know what I'm up to. Of course he does. He still smiles. You know, we've got a, we've got a couple of, uh, well, I guess we've got three grandsons, and, you know, they can get into some stuff, but I still smile. You know why? Because they're ours. You know why God smiles at you even when you go the wrong way? Because you're his. And he says, I can get you back on track if you just listen to me. Bill Johnson put this in, in one of his books. I thought it was so good. He said, God often hides the gifts we hunger for the most in the most unlikely packages. You think I walked into that front foyer a couple of nights ago knowing that I was going to encounter Ricardo and he was going to rebalance my life? You see, the world is full of people like Ricardo who will rebalance your life, who will remind you of the great gifts that there are in the universe. And they're really, they're custom wrapped just for you. Because, you see, you might walk in there and not know anything about it, not know to even ask the question of a Ricardo. And yet, I'll, I'll, I, I guarantee you, there are those kind of people in your life that will rebalance your life. I want you to see the principle of heaven is increase. Tammy spoke about it earlier. What is the increase? What if you could increase your relationships? What if you could have one new friend in the next year? What if you could have one more moment of peace? What if you had a raise? What if you had what? And just put the next to it. What would it be? Better health, a miracle. God, I pray that you'll bring an increase. And I love this scripture in, in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7. It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. God says, I will always extend my authority further, and when I do, it will bring peace. It's not a despotic ruler kind of thing that crushes people, but rather one that brings greater, greater peace. So when, God, when I let God's government come into my heart, 
guess what? I have greater peace in my life. And it says, upon the throne of David and over the kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward forever, the zeal of the Lord of the hosts will perform this. And he says, there's coming a day when I'm going to make all things new. There's coming a day when all the wrongs that you worry about, wonder about, I'm going to make all things new, and I'm going to bring about the restoration of all things in my presence. You see, what God wants us to do is he wants us to partner with him. When we partner with God in the transformation of society, we make a difference. You see, it's never a Christian ideal to just say, well, the Lord's coming back soon, and then I'd be glad to get out of here. That is about the most shallow comment anyone could ever make. You are responsible for planet Earth just as I am. That means that whether it talks about the environment, social justice, whether it talks about helping someone, you and I are responsible. And God says, I'm going to give you an opportunity to partner with me. I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you ideas. And you're going to be an agent of transformation on planet Earth because I love you that much. When you do kindness to someone, guess what? You're an agent of transformation. When you pick up trash, you're an agent of transformation. When you you pour your money into stopping human trafficking, guess what? You're an instrument of transformation on planet Earth. When you help someone who's pregnant and thinking about an abortion and you somehow figure out a way to, to bring them into adoption and bring them into life, guess what? You're an agent of transformation. And what you do is when you do that, you reveal the God of increase. And you know what I think of increase? I think of the word hope. I just reveal hope. Hope. Have you ever been so down, so discouraged, so defeated? I know you have. There have been moments in all of our lives where you just needed a thread of hope. And all you needed was someone to come up to you and go, you know, I think it's going to be okay. Now, they may not have known anything. They may not be able to help you at all, but there was something about what they said. They revealed hope. And you go, you think so? And you go, yeah, I think so. And that gave you enough courage to move forward in life. And guess what? That's what increase is. Be an agent of hope to everyone you see. Reveal the God of increase. The right message, when we understand the right message, guess what it does? It releases on earth a supernatural ministry. You know, you have a ministry. You say, well, I'm not in ministry. I work over there. No, you have a ministry. If you came into the, the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ, you have a ministry. And your ministry is to release the presence and the power of God wherever you go. You know that when you just walk out to that prayer wall, many of you walked by visitors and didn't know what it was. When you put a prayer in that prayer wall, you know what you're doing? You're releasing supernatural ministry. You're saying, I believe God does stuff. Amen. I believe God does stuff. I can't do it, but he can. Amen? I believe God does that, and we release that supernatural activity on earth. You know, the right message releases that supernatural activity, and the right message is always Jesus. Amen? Have you ever asked this question, who is this Jesus? Well, he's the baby in a manger, some would say. Well, he's also the bread of life. He is the seed of prophecy. He is the king of Judah, the Scripture says. He is Melchizedek, the king of Salem, whom Abraham encountered. He is the Passover lamb. He is the manna that comes from heaven to earth and feeds the hungry. He is the rock in the wilderness from which we get that living water. He is the high priest. 
He is the Messiah. He is the commander of the armies of the Most High God. Can you just praise his name for who he is? Put your hands together and give him glory. Why, he is our refuge in time of trouble. He is the good shepherd who knows his sheep. He knows everything about you. He is a stone that is rejected by men, but is the cornerstone of the church. He is the bridegroom of the church. He's a suffering servant. When he died, he died on the cross for you. He is Emmanuel. That means God is with us. And, you know, when we think about God and being with us, he's not far removed in heaven. He's here. If you'll just enter into his presence, God, you are present, and I enter into your presence. The Bible says he is the God-man. He's fully God and fully man. He is the healer of the blame, of the blind, the lame, and the deaf. The Bible says he gives light to the Gentiles. The Bible says he is the sin offering for mankind. The Bible says he is the resurrection and the life. The Bible says he is the messenger when you need a message. The Bible says that he is a restorer of the broken. Anything broken in your life, he says, I can restore that. He is the cleansing fountain. He washes away all the stuff, all the guilt, all the shame. Don't carry it any longer. He's already washed it away. Amen? He is the river that never runs dry. You put obstacles in that river and it washes it downstream. You'll never see it again because he's the river that never runs dry. Why, he's the king of the Jews. He's the Lamb of God. He is the great I am. He is the door to the sheep. You want to go in and see the shepherd? You go through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the true vine. Away from him we get all the best. He is the judge of the living of the dead. He is the root of Jesse. He comes from prophetic lines. He is the cornerstone of the church. He is the mediator. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. If you're going to meet the Father, you're going to meet him through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our blessed hope. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. When you come into faith, he authored it. When he bring you to, in, into heaven one day, he is the finisher. He says, I've got it all covered. Don't have to worry about a thing. You are doing fine. Just love me, follow me, trust me, and when you fall down, get back up and head in the right direction. Amen? Because you might fall down. Yeah, put your hands together. Let's give him glory. Amen. You know, he's a lover of your soul. He loves your soul. What your soul is, it's your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you also have a spirit. He loves you. He loves your thoughts. When you turn your thoughts over to him, guess what he does? He gives you better thoughts. He loves your emotions. He loves it when you laugh. Loves it when you cry. Loves it when you're sad. Because guess what? He's a comforter. He's a restorer of broken. He is the bright and the morning star. He is the word of God. He is the lion of the tribe of of Judah. He is ever seated on his throne in heaven, ever making intercession for you and for I. Every time the devil comes and makes an accusation against you, Jesus says, it's under the blood. All is forgiven. All is made new. Amen. He's my Lord. Is he yours? He's my Lord. Is he yours? He's my Lord. Is he yours? Amen. If he's your Lord, I want you to stand to your feet right now. 
I want you to put your hands together, give him glory. We're going to sing one song here as we go out. I don't know what the band has planned for us, but they're thinking about it right now. We are so happy that you're here with us today. We just pray the blessings of God on you. We're going to sing one song that I'm going to uh, have a prayer over you, a blessing of prayer over you for this year as we move into the, this Christmas season and into the new year, asking that God in all of his grace and all of his mercy would just shower upon you healing, grace, love, power, and that in all things you will be made whole. You know, the Bible says that, that it's called shalom. Have you heard that? The Hebrews use the word shalom. You know what it literally means? Nothing broken, nothing missing. When you have shalom peace, it's nothing broken, nothing missing. 